Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. And these scriptures we're about to read, they're, they're pretty familiar maybe to many of us in the room, but this morning I invite you to see them with a new set of lens and a new set of eyes as we unpack them together. Okay, so I'm gonna read in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths grow faint and be weary, young men fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Okay, you may be seated. Let's pray together. And if you would, I'm gonna ask you to take a couple moments and just pray for me as I prepare to speak. So take a couple moments of silence and then I'll end us in prayer. So just, if you would, pray for me that I can communicate the Lord's heart this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the word. We thank you for the powerful word of God and Holy Spirit. We thank you that you illuminate the scriptures to us in our hearts and you speak, Lord, today. Thank you, God, that you don't grow tired or weary. And as we wait on you, we will be renewed. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. Would your presence fill this space, fill this room, God, as we open our hearts to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, let us jump in. Okay, so that's the scripture we're gonna be camping in this morning. And this morning, you know, when they told me about this summer, they talked about how this is a summer of renewal here at... um, you know, Christian Renewal Church. And you guys wanted me to speak on a topic around renewal. You know, as I thought about that for a bit, I um, really felt impressed by the Lord as I was praying that this morning I wanted to talk about how we find the renewal in seasons of waiting. In waiting seasons. Has anyone been in a season where they're waiting for something? Who can relate with waiting? And it might seem counterintuitive, right, that in waiting seasons that we would be renewed. But this morning I submit to you that there is a renewal in God as we choose to wait upon the Lord. And so this morning I want to talk all about waiting. Now, when you think about waiting, in our American Western culture, I feel like waiting is this like lost art form. very well. I mean, if you think about it, we live in a consumer-oriented culture where we can, you know, for instance, this example, who used to buy things from catalogs? Does anyone like have a catalog? Yes. Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well, my mom, who's right here, I remember she would look at a catalog and sometimes we would circle different things and we would order something from a catalog and then get it sent to us, right? Well, nowadays, Catalogs are replaced by Amazon, right? Who buys things on Amazon now? 
the prime membership, right? So nowadays, we don't wait by ordering something in a catalog and waiting for it to come. We go to Amazon, we go find whatever we want, we put it in our cart, right? And then two days later, it arrives on our doorstep. Very minimal waiting. But you know recently what I noticed with Amazon? I don't know if y'all have seen this yet, or maybe I buy too much on Amazon. (laughs) I don't know about that, but I've noticed that now you don't just go and add to cart. Has anyone noticed the buy now button? It's like a one-click buy now. So now you don't even have to go through the process of putting it in your cart. You literally just go buy now, and then two days later, it shows up on your doorstep. That example and many others show me that waiting, it really goes against the messages of the culture that we currently live in. We live in this consumer-oriented culture that tells us fast is better, slow is bad. My birthday is on D-Day, which D-Day, as many of you are aware, is the day that the Allied forces landed in World War II, right? And it was the beginning of the end of World War II. And someone was asking me, and they were saying, asking me all these facts about D-Day. And, you know, normally in the past, you would have to talk to someone maybe who had lived and experienced that era to learn about D-Day. Or maybe I'd have to go to a library and check out a book to find out those facts. But literally in that moment, I'm standing right in my office, pull out my phone, right? Really quick Google some facts about D-Day and immediately right there instantaneously can share this history right at my fingertips. Waiting is a lost art form. Not only that, but waiting is countercultural. It is against the grain of our culture. And when we choose to wait, we resist the culture of this world that we're in. Not only do we resist the culture of this world, but I submit to you that I'm resisting my own flesh. We are resisting even our own tendency to be impatient as a people, as humans. Because personally, I hate waiting. (laughs) I'm not a patient person by nature. I walk pretty fast. I talk pretty fast. I drive pretty fast. (laughs) Can get in trouble for driving fast. Who's the person, you know, when you go to the grocery store, right, and you're checking out, Like, does anyone scan the aisles and you're like, okay, where's the fastest checkout line? Like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to this one because it looks like this person's moving pretty fast and I can get through it, right? We search for the shortest checkout line. We're in the car and we're searching for the, you know, the the fastest lane that we can drive in. You know, and today, I don't even go to the grocery store much anymore. I'll just order my groceries online and go pick them up and skip the line all together. Because to wait is to resist this culture of the world. And I don't like waiting. It's also to resist the culture and my own flesh, my own desires. And I hope that you would say the same. Waiting is not easy. Waiting is not fun. And so... I was wondering about this, so you know, what is the opposite of waiting? What is the opposite of waiting? Well, do you know, the opposite of waiting is what I find myself doing most often instead of just waiting, just being. Especially if I want something and I want something now. It's where I take matters into my own hands. When we don't choose to wait, a lot of times we take matters into our own hands. 
For instance, I was growing up and I had a friend whose dad considered himself a, pre, a you know, he was a self-proclaimed Mr. Fix-It, where someone, something would break in their house. And instead of waiting on the professional to come and fix whatever was broken, he would try to fix it himself. And it got so bad that I one day came in and her mom was standing there and she came out and said, hey, the light bulb's broken in the bathroom. And mom went like this, shh, don't tell dad it's broken. And she's like, why? She's like, I'm gonna call the electrician. He'll literally take all day to try to fix it when we could just wait for the professional to come and fix it. Because every time he would try to fix it, it would end up broken again instead of fixed. So this self-proclaimed Mr. Fix-It couldn't wait. And that's what it's like to take matters into our own hands because we don't wanna wait for whatever reason. That's the opposite of waiting. And I'm reminded in the Bible of the Israelites taking matters into their own hands instead of waiting on the Lord. And each time that they did this, it had real consequences, real generational consequences consequences. So we're going to talk through a couple of those. So I remember the time, do you guys remember Abraham, right? God had given them this promise that he would have Isaac. He gave that to Abraham and Sarah. But what does he do instead of wait for the Lord to show up? Ishmael, right? He and Hagar have Ishmael while he took matters into his own hands and did not wait for the promise God had given him. And that created animosity between Sarah and Hagar and honestly the generational lines of Isaac and Ishmael to come if you really study the scriptures. His consequences for taking matters into his own hands were real and generational. I remember another time when Aaron and the Israelites, do you guys remember Aaron and the Israelites? They're you know, in the wilderness, they'd been taken out of Egypt. God had delivered them by his mighty hand. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with the Lord. And they're waiting for Moses to return with God's words for them. And you guys probably remember what they do. They take matters into their own hands and they say, let's build a what? A golden calf. Not only that, let's build it, create it, and then let's worship it as our God. They did not wait on Moses to return with the Lord's words. Instead, they took matters into their own hands. And then when Moses returns, the consequences of that are many, but one of them is that more than 3,000 Israelites ended up perishing because of this decision. Or lastly, there's so many times in the scripture, especially in the Judges and in Chronicles, where you see the Israelites are going into battle. They have an enemy coming against them. And this enemy is coming against them or maybe they want to go and fight against an enemy. And you see multiple things happen. A lot of times, you know, it says in the scriptures, and they inquired of the Lord, right? If you guys remember that in the Old Testament. But every time when it says, and they didn't inquire of the Lord, they didn't wait upon the Lord. They go into battle anyway with their own devices, with their own means, in their own way, taking matters into their own hands. Oftentimes, Their battle, the battle, they are not victorious. They are destroyed. It leads to the destruction of their armies, their people, their cities, and eventually exile and being captured by their enemies. The opposite of waiting, 
taking matters into your own hands has consequences. And I can almost hear the Israelites in those first two verses that I read at the beginning, verses 27 and 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. Have you guys ever felt that way, just as the Israelites have felt? Where you're in a season of waiting and you feel hidden away from the Lord or whatever promise you're waiting on him to bring you, you feel disregarded by God? I know that I felt that way. It could be that you're waiting for the prodigal son or daughter, that you're longing for them to return, to come home. Maybe you're waiting on test results from the doctor. Maybe you're waiting on financial provision because you do not have that and you believe that God has promised to provide. Well, a few years back, I found myself in a very painful season of waiting. I longed to have a child and things were not working out the way that I wanted. And I had a painful miscarriage and in that pain and grief, of that waiting season, I absolutely felt that my way was hidden by the Lord. My way and my right was disregarded by God. In the waiting, it feels so difficult and so hard. And I submit to you this morning that even in spaces where it's pressing and squeezing, that we as the people of God are called to learn how to wait well in the pain, in the suffering. And that's this morning what I wanna talk about. We wanna talk about three things. We wanna talk about our part in the waiting, God's part in the waiting, and then a couple ways on how we can do that this morning. So first, if you guys are looking back in those verses that we were reading, verse 31 is where we're gonna stay for a second. You guys know this verse probably familiar. It's, and they who wait upon the Lord will what? Will renew their strength. So in this verse, we see our part and God's part. They who wait upon the Lord. So let's stop there for a moment. So our part is to wait upon him. He calls us to wait upon him wait upon the Lord. And you know, while we see all these examples I shared of how the Israelites didn't wait upon the Lord, I'm reminded of one that did, King David. Multiple times you see him waiting upon the Lord. And to share two examples, if you guys remember, King David was crowned and anointed, right? Anointed as king at a young age. And then he had to wait for years and years and years for that promise to be fulfilled as Saul was king. He even had a moment, an opportunity to take matters into his own hands. If you guys remember the story of Saul going into the cave and David was hiding in the cave, he had the opportunity at that moment to kill King Saul and take his rightful place as king of Israel. Yet he chose to wait instead because he trusted the Lord and said that, and he declared that this is the Lord's anointed. I will not take matters into my own hands. He waited and eventually the Lord fulfilled that promise he had given him and he became king. 
Or the times when he always inquired of the Lord about eight times in the scriptures going into battle and the Lord always gave him victory. But there's another story of David waiting on the Lord. And it's in 2 Samuel 2, 12, 16 through 23. I'm not gonna read all of it this morning, but it's a story after he commits sin with Bathsheba and she has a son. The son becomes sick as a consequence of David's sin. And it says that David goes into the house of the Lord and inquires of God. He waits on the Lord for seven days, fasting, refusing to eat, crying out to the Lord. The servants try to come and say, hey, get up and come, come eat. He would not, he refused them. And then after the seventh day, he's crying out to the Lord, pleading with him, waiting on him, wanting to see the son live. The son dies. David's son does not live in that story of him waiting upon the Lord. Now, the thing about waiting, really quick, let's stop here as we finish that story, is the verse doesn't say, wait for my circumstance to change or wait to make sure this all works out the way that I want. Or if I wait like this, then God will do this. Has anyone ever played that game with God? (laughs) If this, then this. I have many times. But that's not what the scriptures say. It's not waiting so that my circumstance works out exactly like I want. No, it says that we wait upon the Lord. And I think This is actually what David was doing because the way the story ends wouldn't have happened, I think, this way if he he was only waiting to see a circumstance change. Because it says that after the child had died, it says that David got up and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. After it didn't work out the way that he wanted, he didn't even get what he wanted He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped because he was waiting on the Lord, not waiting on just a circumstance to work out or change the way that he wanted. That is the first part. First is that we're waiting upon him, the one who holds the keys, the one who is the maker of heaven and earth, the one who does hold the stars and knows us each by name and knows every hair on our head, the one who is everlasting and forever. That is the God that we're waiting upon. And so our part is waiting upon the Lord. And in this verse where it says, and they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, that word wait is actually a word in the Hebrew that is, says kavah. It's the word kavah in Hebrew. Now, the translators have made this to say those who wait upon the Lord, or your translation may say those who hope for the Lord. And that is the figurative meaning of this word. It means to wait with hopeful or eager anticipation that God's gonna come through. But it also has a literal meaning. And the literal meaning of this word means to bind together or to twist together as in the cords of a rope. To bind together or twist together as in the cords of a rope. Which honestly the translators of the Bible and getting it into scholars, they don't actually fully know why the word to wait, kavah, has that literal meaning. Yet 
It's interesting when you think about it. When you think about the binding together of a cords of a rope, the twisting that happens when you create a rope, that can feel a little bit like waiting. Waiting feels like a squeezing, right? A pressing, it's tension, it's unresolved, it's uncomfortable. But in this twisting, in this twisting, when you twist together a rope, you take a lot of different strands, right? And you put the rope together. Now, the strands separated, they're just a group of strands. But when you twist it together, you can't even see the difference between the strands, right? It becomes one unit, it becomes a rope. I think this is what waiting can be like that we become one unit, we become drawn closer and bound more deeply together in the Lord. In the waiting season, in the twisting, in the pressing, we become closer to the Lord, bound in him together. We become more like him. And when you think about a rope, a rope, you know, it's just a rope if it's just like hanging out. But if you actually put it to use, to put it to use, you have to pull it at tension, right? And in the tension of the rope, when the rope is being used, that's actually when the strength of this rope is revealed, is when you are pulling it and when you're putting it to use. And in this tension, we are bound closer to the Lord. In the waiting, it can be like a tension and we're bound closer to him. And in this, you know, I think about guitar strings. Who plays guitar in here? Anyone play guitar? I know we have some that are playing guitar. Well, guitar strings, if you guys know, they come in this little pack, and they're little like, they look like little limp noodles when they're like running around, just like these little things. And you can't make any music with those. But as soon as you string them at tension on a guitar, that's when the melody can be played. In the tension, this beautiful music can come out. That's what the waiting is like. In waiting seasons, the Lord presses us and squeezes us. And he honestly draws us into dependence upon him. And as he does, the music of our lives can be played. And there's a hope that we gain in the places of waiting that we can gain in no other way. That's our part. That's waiting upon the Lord. But the verse in here also has God's part, right? So those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. God's part is to bring renewal. Bring renewal. Now, what is renewal? That's such a a word that can have so many different meanings. But what does it mean to be renewed? You know, I've also treated renewal in my upbringing in church like going and getting like a fill up, right? Like you are on a long journey in a car. You gotta go stop and get gas. You're almost on E, man. You're, you're barely making it and you're gonna skid in, right? I don't know if you do this, but I'm this person who I wait till I see the light on E to like go get gas. Anyone else? Like, I'm just like, no, I can make it. I can make it. I see you out there. I mean, I am notorious for that. And it's so funny. So my husband sometimes will be with me and it like makes him anxious. He's like, he's like, okay, we're on E. Why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through this? Getting to E and then rolling in like, you know, to the gas station. But I absolutely do that. 
And I think in that, right, we can treat renewal like that. Like, okay, God, I am so exhausted. I'm on E and I need to be renewed by the Lord. So we go to our church and we ask for prayer or maybe we attend a conference that just spirit-filled conference and we encounter God and we want this encounter with him to be renewed. Or, you know, I think I can treat it so often like a fill-up. Like I've got a little bit of strength and I need some more strength. And so I go to the Lord like an ATM machine or, right? I'm like, I gotta go get my cash out go for a couple weeks. Okay, gotta go get my, my, new, my next cash out. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting encounter with God. Let me say the Holy Spirit is, wants to move and work in us and praying for each other and all that is so important and amazing. But I think renewal is deeper than that. I think renewal, it's, it goes beyond just getting to burnout and then getting some strength from God. Because if we're really called to live the abundant life in Christ, I don't know if we have to live at this E place and then go get filled up and go back. Treating God like a transactional God. And I think with renewal, I can do that. Maybe we can do that as a culture. But I submit to you that the, when it's translated here as renew, some versions say, or will gain new strength. That's actually not the connotation of this word. It's not a fill up. It can also be translated as exchange in the Hebrew. That those who wait on the Lord will exchange strength. Waiting on the Lord brings a great exchange. Because in this passage, it's actually an exchange of all of our strength and resources and energies for God's strength, resources, and energies. It is a great exchange. It's not just like I've got, I'm really weak and I need to get some more strength. No, it's a full hearted exchange. It's deeper and beyond that. It's we are finite human beings and our strength is limited. Our strength is limited on our circumstances. It's limited on our uh, provision or the money that we have or maybe how we're feeling on a certain day or even our circumstances. Honestly, it's even limited on did we get a good night's sleep last night? which I'll be honest, I'm a young mom with two kids, not getting a lot of sleep right now. It can be limited. I can get up the next day and man, I'm tired just because I didn't get any sleep. But his strength, his strength, right, is limitless. And we see that in the verses that I read. Remember, he does not go faint or go weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might he increases strength. Renewal is a great exchange. It's not just a fill up. And I'm reminded that even when I'm faithless, even when I'm in a space where I don't think I have anything left, in 2 Timothy 2, it says that he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Renewal is this great exchange. And so if this is the promise to experience renewal, not just give me a little fill up, but a full like hearted exchange of everything that we have for everything that God has, the God of the universe has. If this is the promise we have when we wait upon the Lord, 
then why? Why do we find ourselves taking matters into our own hands, getting impatient, trying to figure it out our own way? Well, I would submit to us this morning that somewhere maybe deep inside, maybe we'll say all the verses, you know, on the surface, sing all the songs, declaring our faith in God. But maybe somewhere deep inside, there's a place where we don't trust the Lord. We don't trust maybe in his goodness. We don't trust that he has good plans for us. Or maybe we've been almost like hurt in some way and there's a broken place of trust with the Lord. We don't trust his intentions toward us are good. But I would say this morning that waiting at its core, the reason I think sometimes we take matters in our own hands is because we don't trust him because waiting at its core is a trust exercise. Has anyone um, in middle school or done a trust exercise, trust fall with like, you know, you're in like a middle school and you do like some kind of team building exercise? Well, I did one of these one time and you're stand, they had me like stand on these chairs in my youth group and they had all the middle schoolers, right? You know, they stand in a circle to catch you and you're supposed to fall back, you know, and trust them and it's supposed to build trust and teamwork. Where when I go to fall back, ooh, that is a scary place to be, trusting that a group of middle schoolers are about to catch me. And I think that's what waiting is like. It's this trusting, oh, are they going to get me? Are they going to get me? Well, I thank God that God's not a middle schooler. <laughs> right? He can catch us when we're falling as we trust in him. It can feel like that, and waiting is a trust exercise because when we trust the Lord, we can wait on the Lord with joy and gladness, knowing that however it works out, even if we don't understand, God has got this. God has me and he has good plans for me. You know, that's why I think David was able to worship even when it didn't work out in the waiting because he was waiting on the Lord and he trusted God wholeheartedly. And I say that because we have evidence throughout the Psalms, mostly Psalms of David, where we see him admonish us and encourage us to wait upon the Lord. And he ties waiting and trusting together over and over. So I'm gonna read just one instance in Psalm 33, 20 and 21, where David calls us, and it's the same word, to kava, right? To wait in the tension upon the Lord. Psalms 33, 20 through 21, the Psalm of David, where he says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And in him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. That is the opportunity we have to wait upon the Lord, to trust in God. And so 
I found myself in the same place. And as I was in this painful season, I was realizing myself that I didn't really trust God fully. I wanted to control things. I wanted to take matters into my own hands. But as I read this verse, I realized, man, I needed to, in exchange of great strength, my weakness for his strength. And so I was wondering, okay, how do I actually do this? How do I wait upon the Lord? Because I can't do anything. I, I can't make myself have a kid. That's only up to God. And so when you feel tempted to take matters into your own hands in whatever season you're in, I mean, like, wouldn't it be great if there's a set of instructions? Okay, now here are the instructions to wait upon the Lord. Like a manual. I'm all about manuals. Has anyone built Ikea furniture? Yes, apparently we have. All of the laughs in the room <laughs> tell us that we've built some Ikea furniture. Well, you know, when you see all the Ikea pieces, I'm the girl who's like, I see all the pieces, I take them out of the boxes, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this probably goes together like this, and this probably goes together like that. I can see all of the elements right in front of me, and I try to put it together. It never works always backwards. It's always weird. So of course, right, you have to pull out the instructions, which they of course don't have any writing on them, just pictures. Has anyone noticed that? They don't actually tell you what to do. They just put pictures on it. And you have to build this furniture. And the only way to build it exactly right, where everything fits exactly as it's supposed to, is by reading the instructions or the pictures, essentially. It looks like it should be intuitive, but it is not. <laughs> I assure you. I've learned that the hard way. And I think waiting can be the same way. We can look at our circumstance or we can look at how we want something, to, all the pieces, right? Maybe you want a particular career or a job or whatever it may be. And we can say, oh, I know, I know how this all goes together. I've got this figured out. But unless we look at the instructions, in the word of God and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and waiting upon him, we'll never have it figured out. Because he's God and we're not. And we have a limited, we aren't the designer of the furniture. We aren't the designer of our lives. He's the great designer. He's the one who created it all and knows how it's all organized and how it all goes together. We are not. And so if we humble ourselves before the Lord, receive instruction from him as we wait, it will, it, the Lord has got us. That's what he's calling us to do in these verses. And so I believe there's a set of instructions for waiting. And I think that there's a set of verses that we can even look to this morning that give us a set of tools to learn how to wait well. And so when you feel tempted to take matters into your own hands in your season, let's look at this picture of waiting, which is really a trust exercise. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which many of us, many of us know these verses. But I encourage you, let's look with new eyes with them. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I'm going to go line by line, and we're going to talk about each part. The first part, right, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And I believe this is where we get honest with God, with what's on our heart, with all the things that we feel, the anger, the frustration in the waiting, and in the tension. We get honest with God with what we feel, what we think. Man, this is what I think about this situation. And even, and this is what I really want, Lord. 
trusting him with our hearts, exposing our hearts to God in a fresh way. And then secondly, do not lean on your own understanding, right? So we don't look at the circumstance and say, hey God, this is how it should be. So I'm gonna tell you and I'm gonna pray like this is what's gonna happen. No, we take our understanding and we say, ooh, I'm gonna surrender this to you. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding, but I'm gonna instead acknowledge you in all of my ways, right? And say, God, would your will be done in this situation? Would your plans happen? God, I'm gonna still beseech you. I'm gonna pray. We're called to ask, seek, and knock like Mr. Mark was saying. But in that, we trust with open hands, trusting that God's will is better for us than what we think should happen. And that's the promise at the end. Then after we've acknowledged him in all of our ways, which literally means to intimately draw near to God, when we draw near, he promises to direct our steps. That we don't have to fight our own battles. That we don't have to exhaust ourselves with figuring out how all the pieces go together. That he's got it figured out and that we can wait upon him. The burden's off of us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. The pressure's off. We can trust him fully. That's the great exchange. That is right there, the renewal that God brings to us. And so this morning, I am remembering when I found myself in this place of pain, was longing for a child for several years, had this miscarriage. And frankly, I found myself in this similar place of wanting to trust the Lord, maybe crying out to God like David even did. And it wasn't working out the way that I wanted. I felt the pressing and the twisting and the tension that I was in. And I'm here to say that I didn't get up and go worship the Lord immediately, honestly. That's not how I felt. I, instead, I tried to live out some of this verse. I went and I found myself sitting at my piano, which I'm by no means this like musician person, but I can bang out a few chords here and there. And I like crawled to my piano, like in this pain and brokenness. And I sat there and I just began to play a song that came out of my heart. It was like essentially a song of anger, of not getting it, not understanding, saying, why God this way? Why haven't you fulfilled this promise yet? Why have you left me broken in this way? It was a song of lament. It was a song of lamenting what was going on and I just sat there and played in the tension, right? Like the guitar strings where music is played in the tension, in the tension I sat there and just poured out my heart to the Lord. Just like it says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And the days became weeks and I kept returning back to my piano to just process with God on this place as I waited upon him. And as the days went on, slowly but surely, some of those songs, they started changing. I started singing about the nearness of God, right? And I experienced the truth of the verse that says that God is near to the brokenhearted. 
suddenly that wasn't something that I just like could say. Have you ever had this where like you've read a scripture all your life or known something, but then it becomes alive in your heart in a new way? The Holy Spirit illuminates it. And I sat there and experienced God's nearness and his presence overshadow me and wash over me when I was in my brokenhearted place. And I began to sing and I can experience his peace that passes my understanding or my ability to get it, right? I still didn't have answers, but I experienced God's peace in the pressing and in the waiting. He met me in my pain. There was an exchange of my weakness and my brokenness for his strength. I experienced joy and pain together and I knew his nearness. And in this grief and in this season of waiting, I sat and I met God in a fresh way. And I'm never gonna be the same. And I'm gonna go ahead and invite um, Sam up as we're gonna get ready to wrap up. But as I continue to share, I, I would wanna encourage you that you know today I'm sitting here and I have a four month old baby back there. Y'all, I have seen the promise that God gave me for a child unfold in my life. She's right back there sitting with her dad. But even though that I've experienced that promise and it's unfolded in my story and I am incredibly blessed and incredibly honored to have my daughter. You know what? I don't look back on that season of waiting and say it wasn't worth it. I don't look back on that season of waiting and say, man, that was so useless. Those were wasted days and wasted years. I don't look back and want to change a single thing, even in the pain that I experienced. You know why? It's because I experienced the character and nature of God in a way that has changed me forever. I trust him more deeply now. I'm more convinced of his goodness now than I was before I experienced that. I'm more convinced that God is who he says he is, that he is the God and the maker of heaven and earth, that he doesn't grow weary, that he doesn't faint, and that he does give strength to people that have no might. I'm convinced and I experience the nearness of God, the peace of God, Honestly, I experienced this great exchange. I was renewed in my waiting. And I know God more deeply. I believe that God did something to my character that makes it look more like him. There's the fruit of the spirit that was made evident in my life in a deeper way. And so I don't know where you are in your season of waiting. Maybe you're in a waiting season. Maybe you're longing for a promise to be fulfilled but I wanna encourage you that God wastes nothing. He's not gonna waste a single moment of your story, that he orders your steps and your days. He knows your beginning from the end and he doesn't waste a single thing. And I also know that he is with you in the waiting, that God is near. God is so very near. I believe that with all of my heart. He is with you. And so we're gonna take a moment to respond.
this morning. And hey, if you're not in a season of waiting right now, can I just tell you that in life, we all have those seasons. And so maybe that's not you right now, but I hope you can tuck this away in your pocket for that moment when you find yourself waiting and you can remember how to choose to lean into trusting the Lord to experience his renewal. But if you are, if that is you, I would love to create just some time as we go back into worship for you to respond. Do business with God. Lean into him to learn how to trust him. Express your heart, right? That whole thing I said, pour out your heart to the Lord. He can handle it. He can handle all your questions and all your doubts and all your issues. He can handle all of your feelings, your anger. I didn't think God could handle my anger. Guess what? He can because he's God. He can handle it. And then ask for him to come and say, God, I want this. I think this. I feel this way. But Lord, I surrender my soul to you. And as you do, ask his will to be done in your life. So I'm gonna pray for us and then I invite you to respond and I'll be available if you would like any prayer and I know some others will be available as well. And then later we'll come up and do some communion together. But I hope if you're in a waiting place this morning, I want you to be able to leave with some hope. There's hope in the waiting. There's courage for you in the waiting. God is near and he is here and he will not leave you nor forsake you. I believe that with all of my heart. So let's pray together. Father, just wait on you right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Lord, you know each of our stories and our situations this morning. You know where each of the people in this room's heart is, God. And you know exactly what we need even before we ask. So Holy Spirit, I invite you here to minister like a blanket that covers us. God, would you bring your hope? Would you bring your peace? God, would you bring your comfort to the hurting? God, would you be near this morning? Would you give us the courage and the grace to get honest with God in a fresh way? And God, as we do, we invite you to come and fill us and renew our strength because we need you, we look to you. I invite you to respond as we worship.